Hello, and welcome to this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty, a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple makers. I'm your host, Chris Swain, here with Robbie Gallaty, the pastor of Long Hollow Baptist Church, founder and president of Replicate Ministries. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a few issues there. Number one, I would say is we have to be on the same page with what discipleship is. Right. So disciple making, just to kind of define again, disciple making, which is an active uh, action of, right. of making disciples, includes both evangelism and discipleship. Jesus talked about this in the Great Commission. Uh, go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to obey or observe all that I've commanded you. So we have this twofold approach, right? We have evangelism, inviting people to Christ. We have discipleship, which is investing in the people we invite. Okay, so that's the disciple making part. But what is discipleship? And this is kind of a pet peeve of mine and uh, obviously don't want to offend anybody. But when I drive past churches and I see on the lanyard out front or on the placard out front, it's a big lanyard, big lanyard, <laughs> Church is wearing a big lanyard. Well, is it a lanyard? What is it called? What are, the, what are those? I think placard. Placard. Could be yeah. good. Church sign. It's not a lanyard. It's a church sign. Yeah. Marquee. A marquee. marquee. That's it. And they're digital now, which is really cool. <laughs> that actually, is, yeah. some of those. But but I just cringe when I see discipleship training six p.m. Wednesday night. Well, yeah, that's a part of it, but right. it's more than that. Isn't that how Jesus did it? Yeah, exactly. He, he just told had the, him, he had the Sunday night discipleship well, he, training. He passed out flyers and he said, "Show up for the Sunday night church gathering so I can teach you about discipleship." No, Jesus lived life with these guys, right? But it was, but but let me not reduce it to, and some, simplify it too much. It is training, it is teaching, but it's way more than that. It's more than a forty day class. It's more than a twelve week study. It's more than a seminar you attend. It's more than a class you show up for. I tell people it's the course of your life. This is. Everything you do is to make disciples. So you're thinking intentionally. You're thinking with a replicated, replicative right. mindset, if, if you will. Okay, so here's what we have to do. We have to define the term. What is discipleship? This is the term, or this is the way we define it. Discipleship is intentionally, and every word means something, intentionally equipping believers with the word of God through accountable relationships empowered by the Holy Spirit in order to replicate or reproduce faithful followers of Christ. Okay. All the words mean something. Intentionality. You will never make disciples by happenstance. Had a pastor tell me one time, well, we got discipleship happening in our church. It's just so organic. I don't even know about it. I said, brother pastor, with all due respect, that's not how Jesus led. <laughs> I don't even know. That's about not it. how Jesus led his ministry. He was highly intentional. How did he know he didn't know about it? That's the question. Well, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> but Jesus yeah. was yeah. highly intentional. Yeah, not only was he intentional, he prayed for the guys he would meet with. He prayed over the guys he would travel with. He, he empowered the guys after he invested them. So Jesus was highly intentional. Uh, intentional, intentionally equipping believers. The key word there is believers. You cannot disciple an unbeliever. I'd love to do a whole a whole podcast on that. Let's do that because I don't think you can disciple an unbeliever. It's called evangelism. You evangelize an unbeliever to faith in Christ. You disciple a believer with the word of God. How many times do you see people promoting things of discipleship that include everything but the Bible. So, and, and listen, there are a lot of great books about the Bible. There are a lot of great resources out there. There's curriculum you can go through. But here's the challenge. If you disciple someone through a book, 
over and above the Bible or a book in place of the Bible, they will think, Chris, that that's what discipleship is. How many guys we know, maybe some listening, that they have in their mind, if I don't go through X curriculum, I right. can't make disciples. It's like, it's like the, uh, the, the Christian book club. Is all it is. That's it's, exactly it's a Christian book. <laughs> yeah, the Christian. And listen, there's nothing wrong with these books. But the Lord convicted me years ago, and I thought, do I want to hear words spoken from someone about what God said, or do I want to hear the voice of God? When I fell in love with my wife Candy, uh, let's say, and we lived an hour and a half apart. I lived in Chalmette, Louisiana, and, and Candy lived in the Baton Rouge area. And for those who don't know what Chalmette is, it's similar to Nazareth. Can anything good <laughs> come out of Chalmette? Yeah. They called us Shalmatians. But anyway, so here I was in Shalmet, <laughs> and uh, there I was, and uh, we would talk on the phone. We would write emails to one another. Let's say one day I write Candy this long email of how much I love and appreciate her and thankful for her, and instead of her writing back, her sister writes me back, her sister Becky. Hey, Robbie, I'm writing on behalf of Candy. Candy wants you to know that she really cares for you. Candy wants you to know that she really appreciates you. She looks forward to being with you, and she loves you just doesn't have the same feel. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah, thank you, Becky. I appreciate that. But when it's candy, to, or even let's say a phone call, somebody's telling you, this is what candy says, or this is what Melissa thinks of you, Chris. It just doesn't have the same feel. You, you want to hear from the person directly. Why would we do anything different with the Bible? Okay? That's a great question. Intentionally equipping believers with the Word of God through accountable relationships. What separates discipleship apart from other uh, engaging activities is the accountability aspect. When people say, hey, we do discipleship, we call it Sunday school. I say, great. That's great. That's a part of it. But here's the thing. It's more than that. How many groups or how many people in your Sunday school environment are holding each other accountable to live like Christ lived, to love your wife as Christ loved the church, to share the gospel, to go with the gospel, to live missional, to be generous in your giving, to be a good steward of your time, talent, and treasure, to to worship the Lord freely, to study the Bible. Remember, you see what I'm saying? If And here's the answer to the evangelism dilemma in the church today. Where else are you getting accountability to share your faith? Where somebody's looking you in the eye and saying, hey, when, who did you share your faith with? Who did you share your testimony this week? Who are we praying for that's lost and far from God? Yeah. Pastor, if you're just doing it from the pulpit, we can't expect people to do it. Why? Because they hear that, but they don't do anything. They're held accountable. Intentionally equipping believers with the word of God through accountable relationships empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, it's sad that we have to talk about this, but think about this. How many things in church... How many activities that we engage in in the Christian life that we attempt to do separate and apart from the Holy Spirit? You know, that's what the Chinese Christians said years ago when they came back from America and reported to the, their congregations in China. They said, it's amazing how much American Christians t- try to do separate and apart from the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we're all guilty as charged. How much have we tried to do apart from the empowerment of the Holy Spirit? We do it on our own power. In our own power, we don't ask for assistance from God. Empowered by the Holy Spirit, watch this, in order to replicate, reproduce faithful followers of Christ. And this is where the rubber meets the road. If, if you're not replicating or reproducing your life in the life of another, then you become only a cistern of truth, and you fail to become a channel of blessing to others. What do I mean is this. You become a reservoir. War, oh, how do you say that? Reservoir. Very French. That is a, oh, a that, reservoir. On the front end of that. It's that Chalmette coming <laughs> <That's> out. <a> Chalmette. <laughs> Chalmette's actually Cajun French. Oh, but anyway. Well, there you go. There you go. Oh, there you go. 
you become a reservoir or you become uh, you, you stay as a reservoir where basically you become the Dead Sea one way in no way out yeah. instead of the Jordan River which is a thoroughfare and so that's what I think that's a long answer but I think that's one of the things we have to do we have to define discipleship it's more than eating pizza and watching football games on Saturday which is actually pretty fun to do that is fun it's not discipleship but it's fun it's it fun. is discipleship it's football discipleship that's true that's <laughs> We just wow. need to focus on the right thing. So you said a word there, I think, that ties into this next part. So we're talking about why discipleship isn't working. So, one, we haven't defined it well. So you just gave us a great definition for that. Uh, the, but the next phase, you, you use the word thoroughfare. And so I think as we look at discipleship, one of the issues we know we face, and, and our church faces, every church faces it, how do we balance out where we are focusing all of our effort on our people? And maybe not all of our effort, but the majority of our effort. Many of the churches I've served at uh, with great intention thought, man, how do we get as many people as we can here? Because once they're here, they will hear the gospel. Uh, They respond to the gospel. Their life has changed forever. And that is a great message that we still believe and we still practice here at, at Long Hollow. But beyond that. What happens after that point? And so when you say thoroughfare, mm-hmm. it reminds me of uh, kind of the, the walkthrough that, well, why don't you just go ahead and explain it uh, as to how the church can look at what it's doing maybe a little more clearly and how we're, we're operating. Okay, let me use a, yeah, it's a great question. Let me use a business illustration for just how economy works or just a business organization works. In the business world, You ask business owners, you ask people who own companies, they will tell you to gain a new customer is harder than to retain an old customer, okay? Mm -hmm. Because once you have the customer, it's a whole lot easier to keep them than it is to get a new customer. People spend millions of dollars on marketing and promotional pieces and billboards and Facebook ads to just get a new customer. Once you have the customer here... They say it's easier and, you know, it's easier to keep that customer. Okay, now think about this. In the church, we always have people coming in the front door. We have people coming. They'll visit the church. We do an outreach event. Uh, we do a big men's conference. We do a women's conference. It's, in, it's, it's great to have people coming through the front door. But what we do is, like, like some businesses, we fail to retain the guest. We fail to retain the visitors. Okay. We spend all of our money on the front end to get people to the church. We tell them, Hey, we're glad you're here. This is what you've been saved from. You're saved from sin. You're saved from destruction. You don't want to go to hell. Make a decision for Christ. People make a decision for Christ. We high five. We amen. We baptize them. And then we say, it's up to you. If you want to come back, we'd love for you to come back, but it's up to you. Just get plugged in a class. Here's a list of 27 options. Find one yourself. And oh, by the way, we'd love for you to serve. Here's another list of 13 service options. Get plugged in. But it's up to you. It's up to you. If you want to read your Bible, it's optional. Uh, you want to you want to support the church? That's op- we'd love you to, but it's optional. And so we fail to watch this. Disciple believers. Now think about this. Look at your budget. Just take your budget if you're in ministry. Take your budget if you're in a nonprofit world. Look how much money you invest to get people to the church to make a decision. And then look at how much you invest to disciple those in order to replicate their lives with others. And if you're like most churches, I've been a part of churches like this, it's front end loaded. Now, how do you know it's front end loaded? It's front end loaded with activities. Activities, outreach events, 
big events, Christmas extravaganza, children's choir. I mean, all these are good things. I'm not saying they aren't good things, but here's the thing we have to ask ourselves the question of, and this is one of the things we ask at Long Hollow. We're not against big events. Don't hear what I'm not saying. We, we want to do great events for the glory of God, but we ask ourselves the question, what do we do next? Okay. Now that we have, have the people here, what do we do with the people who have come? And it's not just, Hey, we celebrate because let's be honest. This is how most churches gauge success. How many did you have last year at student camp? Chris, 250. Great. What's the goal for next year? 260. That's exactly. (laughs) Or 275. Or 300. Or 300. Yeah, the big, yeah. 300. And then next year, it's what? 400. 400. And next year, and listen, it never ends. Now, I'm not saying we we shouldn't reach 400, 500 people for the glory of God. But what happens is that becomes the goal. Now, the challenge with that is this. When numbers become the goal, and the numbers are the end, you justify the means to get there any way possible. And what will happen is this, and this is sadly happens in churches. You dumb down the message, you minimize discipleship, you reduce uh, what God expects of a believer, uh, you manipulate the invitation, you get people to make quick decisions. Hey, listen, don't think about coming to Christ, just come. Right. Don't even think of what do you mean? Don't think about it. Jesus said, go back <laughs> I've and count. I've heard the, that invitation before. Yeah. Don't even think about it. Don't even just think come. about it. Just come. What, what are you talking about? <laughs> Jesus said, no one builds a building without thinking about it. Right. No one goes to war without contemplating. How are we going to make the busy, biggest decision of our life? which is a complete heart change and life change and submission change to go from serving sin to serving a king, Jesus, without thinking about it. Without counting the cost. Counting the like cost. that's somewhere, that's written somewhere. I think I've heard that before. That. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I've heard that myself. Maybe. Okay, but here's the reality. Okay, and here's the thing I'm saying. Let's see as many people as we can come to faith in Christ. We pray for that. We want a revival of people to come to Christ. But the question we need to ask ourselves is this. What do we do next after the people come to Christ. Youth pastor, here's a great thing, and we'll leave you with this. Here's a great uh, metric to gauge. Look at your camp from last year. Okay, See how many people attended camp. See how many people made decisions at camp, either, either VBS or youth camp. You can do this, Chris. You were a student pastor for years. Find out how many people made decisions and were baptized, and then find out where they are six months later. Okay, Find out where the people are. Are they engaged in church? Are they still coming to church? Did they fall off? And what you'll be surprised is, and we've run these numbers at many of the churches I've pastored, it's pretty staggering to see that people make these one-time decisions, if you will, but they fail to follow through with discipleship. Yeah. Or, or they come back the next year and make that same first-time decision. <laughs> that's, that's second-time decision, sadly. And I think it's because discipleship is not taking place. Yeah, listen, salvation's essential in this model. Right. Following Jesus is optional. Yeah, and, and that's Sadly. the problem. So that's one of the reasons I think absolutely that we could look at and say discipleship isn't working in our churches when we focus so much on the front end. 
on the on the on ramp, so to speak, and then we leave the other things either to be uh, organic, as that as one pastor has said, or just hey, we've got some of these basic systems. Which let's talk about that. I think that's one of the reasons, and we we can wrap up uh, our time with this. One of the key reasons discipleship isn't working is the very thing we believe is carrying out that discipleship in our churches, and that's our small groups and our Sunday school classes, um, whatever we call missional community. Uh, biblical community, life groups, whatever the word is, uh, we, we often use terms to define them. And then when we attend, we're like, this is not at all what that, that term is supposed to be. Yeah, right. um, sometimes they fall short, but we, we tend to put everything in that basket. This group's ministry is going to cover every element of discipleship because here we have worship and there we have discipleship happening in groups. Life on life is the term that yeah. people like to use. So Uh, As we look at those groups, how are those groups falling short? Why do we need to go beyond a small group or a Sunday school or a missional community? Why does there need to be more? Yeah. Well, and let me just say one thing before we move on, because this is a great question. But I I would say another reason why we're not seeing discipleship happening and, and following Jesus and surrendering to him as Lord of your life after a person makes a decision to follow Jesus is because we're preaching half the gospel. We only tell them you're only you're saved from sin, but we never never tell them that they're saved for following Jesus, this abundant Christian life. You're saved for good works with Christ prepared beforehand, before the foundation of the world, that you should walk in them. Ephesians two ten, right? We stop at verse nine. For by grace you've been saved through faith, not of your own doing, a gift to God, not as a result of works, so that no one should boast. Praise God, high five. But we forget verse 10, for he created you for good works, right? Uh, I would say, and I just had this conversation with a good friend of mine just yesterday at lunch, and you'd know him if I name him, but he asked me this question. He said, do you need life groups if you have D groups? Yeah. So the life group. Yeah. So the life group would be mixed uh, couples, men and women, or men and women mixed gender groups. Uh, They're open groups. They're for evangelism. Kind of like a traditional Sunday school model, or uh, groups that take place in the home, like we do it here, Long Hollow. Similar. Right. Similar. Yeah. The D group would be form. They they normally form out of the life group. They're closed groups: men with men, women with women. High accountability, intentionality, scripture memory, scripture engagement. Three to five is the goal. We don't do one on one. It's very hard to do that. Uh, hard to reproduce that. Uh, we don't go bigger than six or seven in the group because it becomes uh, it becomes too large. And he asked me this question. He said, "Do you need?" life groups if you have D groups because it makes sense you'll have worship gathering on Sunday and then you have this intentional accountability or accountable time and I said you know what we've asked that same question because I thought the same thing if true transformation happens in this as Greg Ogden calls it hot house of spiritual transformation the discipleship group then do you need life group and my answer to him was yes you have to have a life group small group slash Sunday school time for this reason there is a great benefit and you know this from being in a group with your spouse. There's just a great benefit to that. There's a great benefit. We learn from people of other genders. There's a great benefit to that. Also, there's a fellowship aspect of that. So you're living life. There's a there's a parental familial aspect with the kids. Our kids love life group more than we do at times. I mean, let's be honest. When are we going to life group? Right. No, they love it. But the, there's more than that. It's an evangelistic opportunity. See, the D group's closed. Open. Yeah, the D groups are closed. There's the the uh, life groups are open. Right? It's open, so you're inviting people too. There's a there's a teaching aspect or facilitation aspect where you're 
impacting lives because you're implementing the sermon. So we just heard a message of a great message on, let's say, prayer from a pastor, and now we're saying, how can we pray? So you don't leave that by the wayside. So the answer is, we need to define not only the terms, we need to define the different groups. So what is a life group in your church? What is a D group? Now, some of you are saying, this is overwhelming. How do I do this? I mean, this is a lot to do. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. time. Okay. So uh, how do you, how do you, how do you run a marathon? One step at a time. So here's what you do. You just take baby steps. You start, you start evaluating, investigating, critiquing, changing, altering one thing at a time. And then over time you take this long walk of obedience in the same direction and you don't feel weighted because you have to change all these things, but you just start slowly implementing, altering, changing some things. And then over time you'll start to see disciple making happening in your church. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty. If you don't mind, take a moment to subscribe and share the podcast. You can find out more about disciple making, resources related to disciple making, and our customized training on our website at replicate.org.